Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. Shut up. <laughs> like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs in it. That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go <laughs> into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. The <laughs> <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey guys, welcome back to another Time Point-tastic, Whirlagogorific episode of Comics, Motherfucker, Do You Read Them? Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, but I am not alone. Joining me on the time ship in the time stream is one of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Hey, this is Justin. Yeah, so we're here tonight. We're actually here tonight to talk about a 26-issue DC Comics series. It's titled Our Man. And believe it or not, this is the first ongoing Our Man comic book series that DC had ever published. And this is actually the, the Android era Our Man. And the, the, I guess, the reasoning of why we're discussing this is this is a big tie-in to the JL May event of 2021. So there's a bunch of different podcasters. They're all getting together and they're talking about the... DC Comics event, which is titled DC 1 Million. And DC 1 Million was kind of like this line-wide crossover. It was a fifth-week event, and it happened around 1998. And pretty much it was written by Grant Morrison and involved a time-traveling visit from the Justice Legion of the 853rd century. And so if you wanted to read the main storyline and possibly make heads or tails of all the blue cupcakes. The core comics of DC 1 million were DC 1 million 1, DC 1 million 2, JLA 1 million, DC 1 million 3, and DC 1 million 4, but then every other DC title ran a 1 millionth issue, so it was like this kind of outrageous thing where, you know, there's no way in hell any of these comics are ever going to get to 1 million, even way back then, when they weren't rebooting every 5 minutes, even less so now. So, all these comics had a one millionth issue and odds are most of our other fellow podcasters are going to be talking about either those one millionth issues or the core DC one million title. But I guess the, the DC OCD guys who cover all the crossover events would probably refer to DC one million as a launcher, which basically means that the intent of the crossover event, you know, one of the, you know, unspoken goals of that crossover event would be for 
brand new comic book titles to spin out from the fallout of the event. And Our Man is definitely one of those titles. I mean, it kind of proudly proclaims, because I think JLA was, you know, this huge, huge seller at the time. So on the cover, of course, it proudly proclaims from the pages of JLA, you know. But essentially, Our Man kind of spun off from DC. You know, it, the, the series starts basically at the the end of DC 1 million and goes from there it kind of it's its entire impetus you know is originates from the DC 1 million crossover and this is a book that came out pretty much in 1999 it ran for about two years ish so I mean it kind of ran through you know the tail end of I think you know 99 and all the way up through around i think if my memory is correct like around 2001 and i read this book i wasn't really in on it on the ground floor per se i remember i think i got like the first three issues like for maybe like 99 cents or something at a comic shop in la and it just it really spoke to me i really enjoyed it and I think at the time, the issues on the stands were in the late 20s. So it was like, I, you know, at that point, I became a man on a mission. You know, I kind of, you know, bought all the, the back issues I could find and collected the current issues from the 20s all the way to the, the, the final issue. I guess, you know, I, I don't know. This is kind of like one of those things where it's hard for me, and I, I don't know, you know, Justin may back me up or not, but it's it's hard to discuss something like this issue by issue so i just kind of went ahead and did a did a reread of the entire series and you know i have my own thoughts on it my own comments and everything like that and i i think justin you know tried to to read along with me and he got so far but i mean he's read the series before so i'm sure we can have discussions about you know the content of the series the characters and everything involved within but it mainly follows one of the Justice Legion members, which is Our Man, who he refers to himself as an intelligent machine colony from the 853rd century, and he is using the original Our Man's drug of Miraclo, or, you know, for you CW casual noobs, he uses some Miracuru, which is, uh, you know, he, he basically uses the, the Miraclo geneware which duplicates the DNA of the original Our Man, Rex Tyler. And in the DC 1 million crossover event, he's actually seeded with a virus from the villain Solaris from the 853rd century. And so the, the Justice Legion characters were like just uber, uber, super powerful. Like you figured there was nothing that was going to fell these guys. And then they show up in the middle of this crossover and, you know, they're basically, they, they, you know, they prove their own undoing. You know, Our Man had the Whirligog, which is for longtime DC fans and longtime, I guess, Superpowers fans. It's kind of like this giddy thing of like, that. that's where the Whirligog comes from. Like, Metron shows up and, you know, the Whirligog is this weird Jack Kirby looking fucking snot thing that sits in the middle of the you know the superpowers team and all that kind of stuff so it's like that basically controls like all of space and time he's this like near omnipotent character along with the rest of the justice legion but because of the fallout of the events of dc 1 million because he's 
I guess, violated, abused. You know, he's used as a vessel to bring a virus to a past era. You know, he, he just, he has a kind of mental crisis, you know, like an emotional crisis, you know, and even you're know, like, oh, it's an android. But, you know, th this is very much, you know, in the kin of things like, you know, data from Star Trek The Next Generation or even the vision, you know, from Marvel Comics, you know, this this notion of, you know, what does it mean to be human and 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 learning humanity? And I guess, you know, I'll just kind of go into stuff and, you know, go ahead and interject, you know, whenever you want to. But like, I guess, like, what's your sort of introduction to to our man as far as that goes, Justin? Like, do you do you remember when you first started reading this? Did you read it all at once? Like, how did you kind of stumble onto it? I came across him in the pages of Morrison's JLA, which I was reading at the time. And, you know, I I never read DC 1 million until, you know, you suggested we read Our Man. I was like, okay, that'll, uh, that'll give me an excuse to read DC 1 million. Because, like, I, I think I'd only ever read, like, JLA, Starman... Aquaman and maybe like the Flash one million times. Okay, okay. Like I had never read like the actual miniseries, so I sat down and read that, and I really enjoyed it. I was like pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I was like, oh man, like I sat on this for like twenty some years, like you know, like I felt like a you know a noob or something. But I was like, I don't know, I just wasn't interested in, in DC one million at the time for I, whatever reason. I I'm pretty sure I was because I know I was buying all the JLA books off the stands when they came out, you know. And it's it's interesting to go back because you're like, oh, the the Hour Man, the Android Hour Man's first appearance was was in the Rock of Ages storyline. You know, it's mm -hmm. like he meets he meets Kyle Rayner. You know, and it's interesting looking at like I guess you know maybe me I'm going into kind of like my issue by issue thoughts and everything like that, but you know, technically there's 25 issues, but there's also a zero issue that was given away with Wizard. It was this free promo comic. Oh, yeah. And it has, like, all the, you know, it, it's got a lot of the, I guess, you know, design and, 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 and prep thoughts, you know, the pre-production thoughts. It's got, you know, the interviews with the writer and, and their kind of thoughts on what the concept of Our Man would be. And then they've got, you know, you know, the, the art from Rags Morales and, and kind of how he went through all these various designs and, and, you know, the editors were, you know, vetoing certain things and liked other things and how ultimately it came to be, you know, the, the Android Hour Man design that we, you know, eventually see. And what was cracking me up is I'm kind of like thinking to myself, you know, it's got story and character design process, but in that process, you've got the Larrys, right? Like the Larrys are like, there's too many cloaked people, Larry, because their their directive is like, don't make the Android Hour Man look like the Spectre, you know, because they're like, look, this guy showed up in Rock of Ages, he showed up in Crisis Times 5, he showed up in DC 1 million, and basically all he was was a giant kind of ragman looking cloaked figure and you would see his head sometimes and and they really you know i think that was the mandate they wanted to get away from that you know and so i mean he kept the darkness the this is the quote right like it, it, which cracked me up it says morales kept this design's overall darkness 
yet omitted the aggressive striping to avoid troubles with inkers and colorers. And all I could think about that was, man, Jim Lee never got that memo because, you know, <laughs> like that that's not, and, you know, because it's like some of those early designs are like super busy and some some of them they, they used, right? Because there was the, you know, I mean, this is like jumping way ahead, but you have like our man, you know, from this current comic meeting the future our man. And then that kind of more busier design the the original design where he he had no cloak you know and he's got the little whirl gog on his armband and all that kind of stuff like that kind of comes back when the the quote-unquote future hour man you know meets the current day hour man and the other thing i thought was interesting was in that zero issue it's got the rags morales quote-unquote cover to issue one and that actually becomes the splash page in issue number one and for like i think the first at least dozen or so issues like scott mcdaniel was doing the covers for the regular series you know maybe it was less than a dozen but you know around that that point and everything as for the ongoing series like i did get in on the ground floor like with issue one i i've got issues one through seven i think and then like, after that, like, wherever I was getting these issues, I think I, maybe I was getting them from, like, Dalton books or something. It just, it dried up, it evaporated or something, mm. and I just, I, I missed out. And then, you know, years later, I went back and, you know, picked up the missing issues and, and read it like that. But, but yeah, like, I, I mean, I mean, you know me, like, I, I, I've always had interest in Golden Age heroes, and I was, you know, starting to really get into, like, Justice Society and read, like, you know, previous miniseries yeah. and stuff so i was like oh like uh, an hour man series about like this android guy like that sounds really interesting and like the way i think of this version of hour man is like it's like if mr spock was an android and he was two years old and he suddenly was confronted with like the legacy of like previous mr spocks and he was like trying to struggle with that like that's kind of my like my my take or like my elevator pitch mm. like, like to describe our man the series yeah it's it's hard for me to sum it up in, in an elevator pitch i know i know what they tried to key in on in that wizard special is you know the the writer tom pear compared it to he he had a a bit of dialogue in his interview or maybe maybe it was even rags morales as well but they they basically alluded to that I think the readership will relate to our man because he's having a hard time dealing with human interaction and dealing with, you know, women and friends and all this other kind of stuff. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I think people, I don't know, like, you know, this, this quote unquote new age where, you know, geek is chic and cool and all this fucking bullshit and everybody goes and watches these, you know, billion-dollar Marvel movies like it's no fucking big whoop or whatever. And I, I think people forget that there, there was, you know, there, there definitely was a time when, you know, being into comics and things akin to that, you know, was looked down upon. And there was kind of a, you know, uh, you know, it's a stereotype. And that doesn't mean that it's not true some of the times, but it's a stereotype yeah. that, that, you know you know geeks geek culture you know there, there there's the the stereotype that people are socially awkward and i don't think you know this is not like today's era of twitter where there are people who are outright malicious and vindictive to 
fans. I, I think this was said with the best of intentions in that Wizard article, but it, it was just kind of saying, like, look, I think people are going to relate to this because everyone has, you know, awkward life moments and awkward, you know, social interactions, and who's more socially awkward than, you know, dudes reading comics, right? And, I mean, and, and I'll kind of throw myself onto the, you know, the sword here or whatever, but it's like, I, I think this story means a lot to me because it's a metaphor for being socially awkward, but also having those moments of greatness. You know, like, it's, it's, I, I, I know this is, you know, the stupid story I tell all the time, but, you know, like, you know what, and I'm just jumping all over the place, I don't even remember what issue this takes place in, but there's that weird kind of disparate notion of who our man is in the series. He's kind of like, you're saying, this, this awkward man-child learning how to function, learning how to deal with the legacy of, you know, past our men, past Mr. Spock's or whatever, and also aging from, you know, you know, kind of mentally at the capacity of, you know, a child trying to deal with, you know, essentially for me, at least the way this relates to me was, you know, this was in my, you know, my twenties, right? Like dealing with what it means to, you know, be an adult or at least pretend to be an adult, you know, like, like you're kind of faking it, right? Like, and the, the whole idea of him, like when he's with the Justice Society, like he's like the fucking Silver Surfer. Like he shows up on the scene, he <laughs> yeah. does his little time fucking wubbly wubblies and, and does all this cool ass shit. And, and there's that fun, disparate notion of at some point, the Justice Society and Snapper Carr and him, we haven't even really gotten into that because there's so much... To me, this this is so rich, this this story. You know, like, like he, he goes to learn humanity from Snapper Carr, who's, you know, the quote-unquote Justice League mascot. And I know, I know some people love Snapper Carr, and I know some people, you know, despise Snapper Carr because, you know, Snapper Carr is like, you know, to some people is like the, the same anathema that faces characters like Wheelie or Wesley Crusher or, you know, I don't know, the fucking Wonder Twins or whoever, right? Like, like I get that there's, you know, Jar Jar fucking Banks or, you know, what... what He's not that bad. No, 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 no. see, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that... He's He's like Rick Jones or something. He, he is like Rick Jones. He's 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 an analog for Rick Jones if you're familiar mm -hmm. with Marvel comics. I don't think that. I know I know there are some people out there, <clears throat> Rob Kelly, who think like Snapper Car is like awful, right? Like so it's like it's like one of those things where it's like you, you're you're like sitting there thinking to yourself, well, you know what? Like at least for me, right? Like there there are things that I appreciate about characters like that regardless of their you know like there's things where there there's there's moments to find where you're like dude wesley crusher can be cool you know what i mean like regardless of all the shit that he gets over the years or whatever you know like and there's moments where you know to me snapper car like in this he's kind of he's 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 very laid back even though he's been through a ton of shit you know and and he's kind of I don't know. They, they describe him as like a beatnik. I think originally they wanted to really make him kind of like 
you know, that he had been through, like, the grunge scene or some such, you know, because, like, some of the early haircuts for him, you're just like, wow, they were, like, really out there. But now he's got, like, the little soul patch, and it's like, he's kind of, like, a cool dude or whatever, but he's kind of a slacker, but he's kind of, you know, he's seen some shit, right, with the Justice League, you know, he's been in the shit. Were you in the shit? Yeah, I was in the shit. With the Justice League, and so he's got a certain amount of experience. They 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 bring back you know, tie-ins to, you know, Invasion and the Blasters and all this other kind of rich DC history. So if you're a longtime fan, you know, if you've been there from either that era of the, you know, the post-crisis or even back to, you know, the Silver Age of Justice League, you know, there's a lot of callbacks to that that you can, you know, look forward to, sink your teeth into and all that kind of stuff. But, He's there to learn humanity, you know, like they, they I, I think the Justice League at the time, the JLA, right? Like it's, it's uh, Kyle and Wally and, you know, they have the funny ass interaction where they're like, we got to get this guy a woman, you know, and of course Huntress, <laughs> of course, is all, all oh, butthurt yeah. over it and everything, right? And, you know, it, it kind of leads to the funny thing of they, they, of course, you know. They bring him to Bat Dick, who, of course, gets all the ladies, and that was their original thought. But, of course, nobody ever actually, you know, says that to him and all that kind of stuff. Can I, but, can I talk about that yeah, for a minute? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I remember that, like, reading that as a teenager when, when that came out, and I was like, yeah, of course they go to Batman. Reading it now, I'm like, oh come on, that's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it makes sense. Like this, this, this is it, it this, kinda, this is definitely yeah. in the era of you know, this is Bat God. This is fan aura oh, Batman yeah. and all that kind of stuff, like to the nines, right? But I mean, there there is a certain narrative sense that it's like, who else were they going to be talking about that was going to explain to him what it's like, you know, or something like that, you know? And and it's like, you know, this series, you know, the the main narrator of the series is is Snapper Carr, and I think the Rick Jones comparison is really apropos in terms of if anybody's ever read Peter David's. Captain Marvel series that came out in the 2000s, like right around the same time as this. Like, I really believe that they're the yin and yang, you know, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, the Rick Jones who hangs out with Genisville is, is, is very, very similar to the Rick Jones or to the snapper car that hangs out with the Android hour, man. I mean, it's very, and very similar. And Bethany is a lot like Marlo. Yeah, too. absolutely. Man, Man, Bethany. Th oh yeah. This is this is this <laughs> is from a different era of comics, people. Uh -huh. Man, Bethany is fine as fuck. Okay, like there's just you you can't sugarcoat it. Like like this is and it's kind of it's kind of this crazy thing like where you're like, Snapper Carr was married to this really fine woman, who you know, she's she's got her own foibles and problems and all that kind of stuff that comes with being human but one thing you can't take away is man she she is fine right and 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 she's kind of a go-getter so you could kind of understand why her and snapper would have gotten together at some point but they're they're you know they're i guess recently divorced but yet they're still friends and one of snapper's ideas to introduce this this kind of naive you know impatient young android you know who doesn't understand humanity but has like near omnipotent time control power like they're like this is what's gonna you know hook you up right i'm gonna introduce you i think you really get along 
with my ex-wife. Which, you know, I, I think I'm still like a two-year-old, like, our man. Because that idea that Snapper has, like, that still doesn't make any sense to me. But it made sense to him. Yeah. And it was very helpful <laughs> to our man in that time period, right? But, like, there, there's some stuff about that that, like, is, like, what's, you know, what, it, it's so funny because it's, like, you know, I don't know, you know, maybe, maybe that's just how I'm built, you know, like, sometimes I think, you know, if, if I, you know, end a relationship, it usually ends, right? But, but, but yeah. they, they still have this very, you know, cordial relationship between one another. They're still... I, I guess have their best interests at heart and, and they, I, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, I mean, you could tell me if you think differently, but that neither of them ever seems really, you know, it's that whole beatnik kind of mellow vibe. Like, like neither of them seems to me to be super vindictive towards the other or, or, or hold any grudges or anything like that. And like, I, I, I think maybe that's, that's part of his, I don't know, his learning, his experience, you know, like, like that, that he, he gleans from them. And, and I, it's funny cause I, I was talking about this like, you know, 20 minutes ago or whatever, but it, it, you know, when, when things enter my brain and leave my brain so quickly, you know, it's like, but I, I guess what I was trying to get at is the, the, also the greatness of our man, the, the silver surfer level of our man, there's this wonderful splash page, you know, snapper, and and our man's on his time ship and it's the first time he takes bethany on the time ship and the narration basically says something to the effect of this is him in his element like it's not him in the middle of the suburbs trying to figure out things like a man child and not really getting you know what it's like to i don't know fall in love or to to you know deal with someone's you know sheriff mother or you know w whatever kind of you know uh non-omnipotent you know mundane things in life you know that 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 he needs to comprehend but when he's on his time ship in the moment you know snapper has this this narration like now he's in his element and he's on his little fucking you know ship throne and and she's just she's just in awe you know of of him and what he can do and you know basically he depowers himself at the beginning of the series so instead of having this you know, Whirlagog that's like near omnipotent, he crushes it and he puts it in an hourglass. So then it, it holds true to the the concept of our man, whereas the original our man, he took a drug, he had superpowers for an hour, and then that was basically it, right? Well, in this case, he's got his little hourglass that's a necklace around his neck, and when he flips it, he gets the near omnipotent you know, time control along with his flight and super strength and all that stuff until the hourglass runs out, these pieces of the Warlagog. And that that's how it sort of, it you know, it's it's kind of, you know, he, he hobbles himself so he's not all-powerful, but they can still go on time adventures and have fun and explore these kind of things. But it also kind of puts him on a more, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of hard traveling heroes, but not, not to the extent that it deals with, uh, political, yeah, a lot stuff. of social issues. It's more yeah. just kind of like hard traveling heroes in the sense that like, you know, Hal Jordan's not quite, you know, 
the the do all you know he can still get like clobbered on the head with you know a two by four or something like that if the story <laughs> calls for it you know some of the things i love about the series it's i, I mean it, i know i mentioned mr spock earlier but it's that whole like mr data like exploring mm-hmm. humanity aspect yeah. of our man and it, it's 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 the, the history of the previous people who called themselves Our Man. And it, it's even stuff like him drinking caffeine, which cracks me up. I mean, it's everything around him. It's, you know, it's like that that relationship that is budding between him and Bethany and drinking caffeine and all these other little things. Like he's taking care of like Snapper's cat when it gets hurt and stuff. And you're just like, you know, it's just, you know, I, I think he says in issue one or two, like he's only two years old, like he's been online for two years yeah. and all the all these things are new to him. And I, I, I like that exploration. The other thing I really love is all the, the all the elements of history. I mean, issue two, you've got Tomorrow Woman and like that, yeah. that, that was an issue of like Morrison's jla that i loved and so getting to revisit that for one issue like i remember seeing that cover and i was kind of like oh no like i don't i don't want you to go back and revisit that because like that was that was kind of a special issue but they treated it like with kid gloves and it's one of my favorite issues and then another issue i really love is issue number five which deals with you know that's when he like eats the eats the pill and is like absorbing like you know Rex Tyler's history in like an, an an hour, and he's he's experiencing you know like it's kind of like that Morrison thing where it's like okay let's take a like an old Golden Age hero who like punches you know Martians one issue and Nazis the next issue like let's take that like kind of basic concept and let's you know let's give it that like 90s 2000s like realism to it like like what what would his life be like like what would his relationship with the woman be like like how would that affect his kid like that i i I love that fifth issue i think that's great and then i guess the next issue i really like is issue number 16 which kind of gives you the the back history of like joker duping snapper car to betray the snapper car super traitor which is probably why rob kelly hates him because he's a super traitor but yeah, they, they go into that. And like, you know, you, you mentioned other like elements in DC history like being mentioned. Like like I had read that Snapper Car issue before, like the Joker thing. So I was like, oh, okay, like this is really cool. And I had read a lot of like Amazo appearances. The stuff that I didn't know, like, you know, there's there's that whole like new reader thing where it's like, oh, like it's issues you know, number like 376 of Justice League, that might be daunting for a new reader who's like seen the Justice League cartoon or whatever. Like, but I, I never felt that way. Like if I came across something like an hour man, like I didn't know the reference or like the issue they were, you know, the editor mentioned, like I, I wanted to like track that down and, and read it and, you know, learn about the world of God yeah, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think, I don't know, you know, I, yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I don't know where people lost that, that drive, that passion, like whatever it is, or, you know, or, or, or maybe, maybe they only have it for certain things, you know, like, cause, cause my attitude's always been, and may, maybe it's just that people have more passion for Pokemon, right? But like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if you can remember all the names of the Pokemon, you can yeah. learn all the names of the Legion of fucking superheroes. Like you're, you, you have the capacity, like it's just whether you, you, you know, put the effort into it, you know what I mean? But like, you, you talk about all the, the nods and, and cool stuff. I mean, dude, 
Snapper named his cat Starro. Starro, you know, that's like great. that's fucking awesome, dude. Like, yeah. you know, and and then and then you know you kind of you kind of roll your eyes at like stuff like Cisco on the Flash TV show coming up with supervillain names, but it's like Snapper Carr is the original laid back coming up with like wacky superhero names because he names you know the the Amazo that steals our man's time powers, Timezo. You know, and like, so it's like you're, you you know, he's doing that whole kind of riff on everything. And when you talk, and, and then you talk about like history, it's like basically they're, they're in Happy Harbor, you know, like mm-hmm. they're literally living in Happy Harbor, right? Like, and, and like, and like, you know, he's having the adventure with Tomorrow Woman when he brings her back to life in Happy Harbor. So it's like, you know, all that kind of stuff is, is super awesome. It's you know the 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 thing the 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 quote that i think encapsulates why the character means a lot to me at least in our man 2 is because his adventure with tomorrow woman like the 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 tragedy of it is she knows she's destined to die when he brings her back even though he doesn't know that she knows and she takes him on a journey, and the quote is, because while she really lived that 50 minutes, really poured everything she was into it, our man fretted and stewed and practically missed the whole thing. Like, he's he's so torn up about her being gone, but he learns something. He knows it would be wrong to do it again right he he acted on impulse he did something something good came of it but it would just be selfish if he did it again and and that whole like fretting and stewing and missing life like that was fucking me in my 20s to a fucking t man <laughs> like i fretted and stewed and hamleted over every fucking little thing and i probably missed a lot of cool stuff because of that you know and and that's why i say I don't take the comments in the the wizard freebie as like an insult. You know what I mean? Like 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 you know they 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 say I believe the comic audience is going to relate to our man and fucking a I I mean maybe even in hindsight I understand why I related, but at the time I might not have completely been able to articulate that to someone, but I knew it. I knew it resonated with me. You know, I knew that 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 whole notion of fretting and stewing and not not really just living that moment, you know, like and it's like I've had to sort of, you know, for me, I feel like I've had to train myself to do that almost, you know, and and so and that that's kind of what's going on here, I guess. You know, he's he's learning from Snapper, he's learning from Bethany, you know, he's 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 doing that as he has all these kind of crazy adventures, you know? I, I think for me, like, it would be, like, those three issues where he's drugged back before the Justice Legion, and they're like, explain yourself, mm. mister. Mm. And he he's trying to explain everything he does, and then there's also that sense from him, like, he feels like he shouldn't have to explain any of this. Like, he wants to be, he wants to be left alone to find things on his own, and he didn't, he doesn't want to, like explain himself or justify himself to people that are kind of his superiors or maybe he looks up to them or you know maybe maybe they were 
you know, role models or they guided him at one point, you know, when he was with them. But like, at, like at this point in his life, like he's, he's exploring, you know, all these different facets and he, he doesn't want to be bothered with explaining himself or putting himself into some like category or box or labeling himself. He just, he just wants to be left alone and go back to what he's doing. And I'm like, you're talking about like that, you know, that was you in your twenties. Like, like I'm like, well, that was how, that was how I felt. I'm like, I don't want to justify or explain myself to anybody. Just leave me alone. Mm. There's also that notion of like, you, you have, there, there, there are different facets of your life and, and different, subsets of people you encounter that have different sets of expectations for you you know the the justice legion kind of came back and just expected him to be the same as he was before he went through this change you know like hey come on back like we got to go do this adventure and everything you know metron's like super duper like disappointed with him you know what i mean And, and metron's not like you know the most uh you know i guess I don't know, affable guy, right? Like, I mean, I mean, his whole thing is he's just, he has that insatiable curiosity for knowledge and everything else be damned, you know? He, he says, never let judgment cloud your curiosity in the series. And it's like, he's not, I don't know, it's it's weird. It's like, it's like you talked about the Mr. Spock comparison and, you know, Metron is definitely that aspect where, you know, you feel bad for our man, just like you feel bad for Mr. Spock, because he's got to deal with all these fucking Colinar fucking asshole bullshit. That, you know what I mean? Like, like everybody has that that pressure and expectation, like, oh, you know, Spook, you got to fucking, you know, do the Colinar, and it's like, oh, you don't belong here, Spook. You know, go, go fucking step off, you know? And you're like, and, and, and because there's something he's seeking out, you know, that isn't, in on his home planet, you know, and, and it's like the same thing with our man because because what he really wants isn't going to be found by having omnipotent power in the Whirligog and being like I don't know Metron's student or Metron's successor, you know, like it, it's kind of funny because you think a guy like Metron would be like I'm a new god, like I I have no need for a successor, like I'm gonna fucking live forever or whatever but like you know there, there's that weird notion of expectation you know from from those characters that they expect him to 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 be a certain way and and he you know i i think ultimately kind of what you're saying you're, you're like not only does he not want to explain himself but i mean at that point in the series it does take a turn where he goes from you know at the end of that arc with the Justice Legion, you know, when he revisits them again, he no longer is just the the two-year-old man-child trying to make his way. Like, by then, it's kind of like, he's got a little bit of social skills, and he decides, like, the way I will continue my my learning, you know, because it's, it's, it's like, he, he does it, he gives up his powers first on impulse, but by the end of that, he deliberately gives them up again and decides, or at least, you know, neuters them again, I guess is a better way to put it. And then he decides, well, let me find out what it's like to be a superhero. Would I be a good superhero? And because his ancestor is Rex Tyler, and like you said, you love that, 
you know, fifth issue where he kind of trips balls and everything, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah. and kind of, you know, sees the, the there's the, that wonderful thing in issue five where, you know, they, he kind of lives the lifetime of, you know, Rex Tyler. And, and so they, they kind of have that weird golden age head trip that he has and everything like that. And, and because of all that, he decides he wants to sort of honor that legacy and heritage and sort of become a superhero and and it gets to the point where like it's it's kind of funny he's got that like awkward you know matthew tyler you know secret identity you know where he's kind of like this little ragamuffin of a kid and everything like that <laughs> which is kind of funny i mean i'm sure like all that stuff you know you know what's funny about that i mean i i, I kind of kept thinking about it you know with the you know I'm, I'm just gonna say it the finest fuck bethany you know and it's like it's funny how that's totally fine you know it's like very silver surfer shala ball you know like these these Adonis kind of looking people, you know, hanging out with one another. But then when you change him into Matthew Tyler, then he's kind of like the little ragamuffin of a kid. You know, it's like, it's almost like, you know, you start, you know, going like, oh, that's kind of weird. You know, like, like, you know, but it's funny how she sees through him. You know what I mean? Like she can, yeah. she can tell right away that that's just an illusion that, that she knows, you know, who he is. And they, they basically, you know, and it's funny cause they have fights and they, they, they have disagreements and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, it, it's an interesting narrative because, because it deals with time travel and because it has the narration from a snapper car who the narrator is clearly, he's been through all 25 of these issues already, even by issue one. He's been through all 25 of those issues. He's he's telling you this story from after that point. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's why it's hard for some people to wrap their heads around this. Because it's like you have to experience the whole thing. And it and you appreciate it more, you know, maybe when you, when you reread the narration and realize they've been through all these adventures and, and, and gone through all this, you know, pain and, and, and I don't know emotional turmoil or whatever and it's not it's not like I'm, I'm not trying to say that like it's all bad i mean some of it some of it i don't know probably weird to say but some of it is like healthy good emotional turmoil because they you know it, it's like that whole thing of you know you work out and you you break the muscle down so that it builds you know and it's like that's that's kind of what he's doing here, you know, like, and, 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 you know, and, and it's funny cause then I, I mean, I, I guess we haven't gone into too much of the, the villains or anything like that, but like, you know, we, we kind of briefly tackled, you know, Amazo is a major player in all this, you know, and, and, and it gets to the point where, you know, spoilers, you, you find out that the, the future hour man, who's basically, it, it, it gets to be really weird because this future version of our man shows up and starts making, you know, our hero, the current modern day android our man, feel like he's not really in sync with his friends. He starts trying to make time with the Bethany of the past, you know, and everything, the future version. And it's it's all very strange. And, and, and instead of, you know, it, it's like this weird, subtle psychological warfare where the future hour man, like, he's not a ragamuffin of a kid. His secret identity is a dog. And, like, it's, like, that weird thing of, like, oh, I'm gonna, the future me, like, is gonna have a dog as a secret identity? Like, what? <laughs> and, and like, it, it's, it really messes with, you know, that that's that, you know, that's, he's still that, 
that character that frets and stews, you know, and this is all very fretting and stewing kind of life experience for the guy. And, and you find out that eventually it's, da-da, it's, it's Taimezo. It's, it's a Mezo pretending to be the future hour man who still had the powers and everything, all this tiny whiny stuff. And he's trying to not only make him feel bad, but like outdo him. Like, like, like he's a better, you know, human being. And he's trying to like steal the, the humanity out of all of his friends and like make time, you know, he's basically trying to stick it to him the only way he can, like making time with his girlfriend and doing all this kind of terrible stuff. It's like your friends like me better than they like you type thing. And, and you know, it, it's something that I'm sure is relatable to people, you know, that, you know, they, they talk about what, like imposter syndrome or people feel like frauds or things like that, you know, and it's like, it's not, again, I don't think any of this is an indictment of anybody that feels that way, but it's, uh, it, for me, it's, it's one of those things where this is such, to me, I, I mean, I know it's, I know all this crazy shit happens in it, and I know it's interspersed with all this wonderful DC history and stuff that maybe people can't wrap their heads around or anything, but, but to me, like, rereading this, it was, I don't know, it just filled me with an immense sense of joy and gratification. I mean, and, and, and even though it doesn't, you know, it's a comic book, it doesn't, unfortunately, like, you know, there, there, there's certain things where you, you look at the history of stuff and what ultimately happened to this version of the character and, and, and how the story all ends up playing out. I mean, it's, it's really like a what the fuck type play out in in some sense and they allude to it early on like that things aren't going to work out the way you think they are you know like our man you know spoilers again our man does not end up with bethany you know what i mean and it is like one of those things and then the funny part is who she does end up with you're like what like you know but it's like i guess i guess some of that's like real life like like especially now being okay i'm i'm over 40 but let's just say I was in my 20s when I read this, and let's just say I'm 40 now. I'm kind of fibbing, but let's say that, right? 20 years later, I can look back and kind of go, man, there are girls I knew in my 20s that were fine as fuck Bethany's, and I kind of look back and go, man, they ended up marrying that guy? Huh, okay. You know, and they're happy as fuck, and that's great, you know, but it's just like, it's that same kind of idea i have where you know you're like dude you know bethany ended up with the the goofy fucking deputy you know deputy dewey or whatever of the fucking comic you know and you're just like wow like that's so it, it's like it's one of those things where you're like it blows you away because you're like that's so not comic booky but it's actually very real and very relatable if you manage to it make is. it if you manage to make it 20 more years after you know what i mean like like if you manage to it's like you know what what is it you know if you live long enough you know the hero lives long enough to become the villain or whatever that is it's like dude bro if you live long enough some of those fine as fuck chicks are eating a bunch of twinkies and married deputy dewey you know and you'll see it (laughs) and it's no big whoop it's just life you know it dude it happens i remember this guy at work we were really good friends he went up to me and he was like he's like dude i really like uh so-and-so chick and I was like, oh, yeah? He's like, I'm going to ask her out. In my head, I was like, oh, poor guy. Like, he's going to get shot down because she, 
I mean, he was like a big like Homer Simpson kind of guy, and she's like this little tiny blonde chick. And two years later, they got married, and I was just like, "How did we get here?" Like, <laughs> what? I was like, "Oh man, shows what I know. I don't know anything." Yeah, yeah. I, you know, this is just, you know, and and then and then I I I I don't want to forget to mention this, but you know, w- one of the things that's so immensely gratifying if you give yourself over to this entire series is, and I'm I'm just going to point this out because I think it's the best thing ever about this series is. At the end of the first issue, our man is reeling from his decision to, to neuter his powers and everything. And it ends with this very uh, vulnerable our man who's kind of being cradled by Snapper Carr in a bed. And he's, he's kind of lying down and everything. And he's just given up his, his Warlagog powers and everything. And it's, it's a very, you know, like I said, a very vulnerable moment. And, and sometimes maybe when you're in your, you know, twenties and you do a bunch of stupid shit, there's probably been moments where you've been extremely vulnerable in, in the company of hopefully, you know, good friends or whatever, like Snapper Carr is to him. And the the thing, you know, I, I don't know that I relate to Snapper Carr so much. Like, I don't, I, I you know, I got to be honest, like, I relate more to the android. You know, I relate more to yeah. to, to our man, his, his confusion, his so, uh, social awkwardness, you know, and, and also, you know, and, and this is probably me, again, tooting my own horn, but I, I relate to that. The, the moments of greatness, you know, the being in your element and being on the fucking ball and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the you know, I, I, I certainly have moments like that, you know, like, you know, as uh, you know, uh, rare as they may be, they, they come sometimes. And man, when you're, when you're on fire and you're on the money, like you're, you're just in that mode and you're, you know, zigging and zagging and doing the silver surfer hour man shit. You're turning fucking, you know, JSA demons that are fighting people into fucking puffs of smoke or whatever the fuck he was doing in that book. And you're just, you're, you're the fucking man, you know? And you know, the, the, the payoff, you know, if you stick with this series for the 16 issues and they go into the snapper car, super trader thing, I will admit the one thing I really relate to snapper car. Like I could never, I could never see myself getting married, divorcing, and then recommending, a friend, you know, hook up with my ex-wife. I could never see that about myself. So in that sense, I can't relate to that part of Snapper Carr, the beatnik, you know, or whatever. But some of the, I think, trauma that Snapper's gone through and and maybe that self-hatred, you know, like like there 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 there's that moment where if you stick with the series for the 16 issues and like go through the Snapper Car Trader bit and and all the kind of guilt he had built up and all that kind of stuff, you know, th- there's there's that wonderful parallel where it's the same splash page and this is all i mean i don't know maybe it's written you know so i you know hopefully it's a co-creative collaboration and i can credit you know tom payer and rags morales but it's this beautiful uh echo of instead of it being you know our man being cradled in the bed when when snapper car is basically having his, you know, I'll, I'll call it the putting in the milk moment, you know, that that moment in uh, the Aviator where fucking Howard Hughes is fucking out of it and shit. And you know, believe you me, I've been there. You know, he has our man there, you know, cradling him and and looking out for him. You know what I mean? And it's just, 
it, you know, that last two pages is, I mean, it's just, to me, that's the most heartfelt, like, thing in the entire run. And it's like that whole, you know, he, he tells him, you know, it, it, it's like our man's the one narrating the issue instead of Snapper Carr because he's so out of it. And, you know, he talks about Snapper and he talks about his spirit has fought to accept and find joy in his own imperfections and those of others. You know, that aspect where he's not he's not the cat that's stuck in his head like our man is like he's just trying to find joy in the moment in the day-to-day -day interactions and appreciate that and everything and it's like that story is a very strong you know point regarding true friendship and forgiveness you know and and they they say i don't have to be perfect for you I can't express what that means to me or how much I want you to do the same for yourself. And his response to that, Snapper's response to that, and, and this, this is the part that I think I can relate to, is he says, The stuff you and Beth like about me, it isn't as great as you think. It all comes from this awful, twisted-up place inside. And our man says snapper it had to come from somewhere and that's when they do the splash page you know and it's like it's like it's the whole you know father becomes the son son becomes the father you know the mentee becomes the mentor you know and it's like that's such a fucking rich payoff you know to to like if you've been reading it the whole time like that's i don't know to me like that that's why i was like that's fucking beautiful you know so i i really you know i i i dig that you know my favorite part from that issue is Snapper's in the hospital, and as bad as he feels about what happened with the Justice League and the Joker and everything, we see the Justice League, they feel almost as bad. Yeah, and like, yeah. They, they tried to see him in the hospital, and his family turned them all away. And then you see the Justice League sitting around in their headquarters, and they're all – they just all look so sad and miserable and defeated – and Black Canary tries to cheer them up by snapping like Snapper, and Batman's just, you know, Batman's like, knock it off, it's not the same. Yeah. Everyone goes back to looking just completely mortified and devastated. And like, I don't know, that was always my favorite moment from, from that issue. Yeah. No, it's it's a good issue. I mean, I, I think that's that's one of those things where, you know, it, it makes everything that you've been reading up to that point. I mean, you know, you want to get into the, the nerd mechanics of it. It's like, you know, in the, the original issue, like Superman was there and getting fucking hood by a kryptonite gun that Joker had and all that shit. But in this version, it's like the post crisis. So it's like, you know, Black Canary is there and they, they have like, you know, Batman and the, the quote unquote original five leaguers with the post crisis type thing and everything like that. But I mean, the, the issues after that point, I mean, they're all still very good. I, I think it, it, you know, again, it kind of goes into the whole thing we mentioned about, you know, Timezo disguising himself as the future hour man, like dealing with all of that kind of stuff. There's, there's the funny ass shit where, uh, 
they they our man goes to the JSA potluck and he ends up bringing a package of fucking bologna because he's so he's he, he's so he doesn't he doesn't know man he is, he hasn't even he hasn't even been introduced to the decorum of a fucking potluck so it's like it's like see that that's the part of it I I was never that fucking socially awkward I mean I had I had uh, you know there there were people who taught me things and shit you know so it's like I I, I kind of knew what to bring to a fucking potluck but you know it's 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 one of those funny funny things and and that 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 again has a rich rewarding payoff because you you talk about that moment where you felt so you know you saw the the sadness with the justice league you know how much snapper really meant to them in that issue where they're all depressed and everything about it but it has that great payoff where you know, Black Canary's a member of the Justice Society, and, you know, fuck all you Martha Martha haters, but, you know, it's like that kind of thing, where it's like, it's, it's, it's serendipity, but you, 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 you must explore the serendipity, you know, and it's like, that, that pays off, you know, because Black Canary's a member of the JSA, and she's there, and she loved fucking Snapper, I mean, not in the, like, you know, a sexual way or, you know, not not like that. But, like, she loved that kid. And when when they see each other, like, she's so fucking happy to see him. You know, she kisses him on the cheek and he feels a little awkward, but he's happy to see her, too, and everything like that. So it's like, I don't know, there, you know, a, a lot of stuff that's set up in this has excellent, excellent payoff. Speaking of food, there's one character we've not talked about. Torture the cheesecake loving demon from Day of Judgment because <laughs> they had to do the the Day of Judgment tie in, yeah. which which is nice too because that was that was one of those exceptions to the rule. Like that was not about our man. Like our man blasts off a week into the future, and so the only person to deal with the Day of Judgment shenanigans is Snapper Carr, you know, and he he convinces it's a demon to eat cheesecake torture. <laughs> He convinces him to stop fucking around with them because he's like, do you have this? And he's like, no, I don't want to eat it. He's like, no, 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 try it. You're going to like it. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, no, no, seriously, you're going to like this. And he eats the cheesecake. He's like, this is fucking good. And he's like, do you want more of this? Like, then then stop fucking with us and everything like that. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty money, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, there, there's some there's some great supporting characters. You know what's funny about this, too? Like, this has that... Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, dare I get back into it, but this, this has that whole, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's loving submission, but it's like, it's got that, that forgiveness angle or that redemption angle for all of our man's golden age villains per se, or at least the attempt to reform, you know what I mean? Like there, there are yeah. all these like one-off mad scientist characters that that Rex Tyler fought back in the day, and it's like you've got, you know, because you know they, yeah, they they've got him trying to like cure, you know, Rick Tyler, who's got that whole problem, you know, it's like they they thought it was I think leukemia, but then it turns out it's some you know future disease and everything, and there's 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 a lot of you know it, it's. It's it's weird because you know I I guess I kind of you know it's you kind of have mixed feelings right if somebody really loved Infinity Incorporated you know and really loved that version of Our Man you know the the Rick Tyler version of Our Man you know maybe you know you'd be butt hurt because he turns into this like 
frail leukemia victim who just you know has to get stuck in the time point until they find a cure for him and everything like that it, they almost kind of you know they kind of do a superboy priming of that character but i don't i don't know that i you know i gotta be honest like like for me i think i bought issues of infinity incorporated because i was collecting like todd mcfarlane art but i can't I, I can't, you know, forgive me, peoples, but I can't say, like, I, I was ever, like, balls deep into Infinity Incorporated. So I don't think that aspect of this story ha had the same impact on me that it might have on, like, somebody, you know, kind of kind of like the notion of if you read, say, like, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, you read the Ed Brubaker Captain America run. If you if you love Nomad and Fabian Nicias as Nomad, you have the moment where you're like, oh man, like you know, Bucky comes back and blows him away. Oh man, I like that guy. But you know, for me, I guess you know, at the time, Rick definitely wasn't one of those characters for me. So I don't, I don't think I, I think it's all well written. I think. What's nice is, I mean, they eventually do fix him. So, so if you're talking about taking the toys, it's it, it, what's funny is they kind of inherited a broken toy. And if you're yeah. if you're if you're willing to go on the journey on all these issues, I mean, they eventually polish, clean up, and put the toy back in the box with like a new fucking O ring. And and other people can now you know use him again, and he's not he's not irreparably damaged anymore. So in some sense, I mean, if if somebody has the reaction of "oh man," the difference between this and the Winter Soldier is by the end of this, Rick Tyler is a viable character again, whereas you know poor Jack Monroe was fucking dead. You know, so I don't know. Not only that, not only that, but he ends up getting married and has a kid. Yeah, yeah. This is something I wanted to talk to you about that we haven't delved into too deeply, and I, I don't know that it'll generate much discussion, but y you know what I had in retrospect that I never would have thought of back when I was reading this was Our Man's Time Ship. Our Man's Time Ship is so fucking cool. <laughs> it's, it's basically, you know, a, a giant wooden pirate ship, you know, that surfs through the time stream and everything. And that's how they take a lot... Like, I guess the idea is he can travel through time with his little, you know, hourglass if he needs to, right? But the time ship has its own independent power source, a little bit of the Whirligog, and, and has certain energy. And when when they do kind of like the, the last, you know, sad final issue or whatever, where everybody's kind of, you know, taking trips and, and seeing things uh, on this final kind of like road trip through time or whatever and they they go into their futures and do a bunch of stuff like that the the power source it's like just enough to you know kind of take one last trip through this time stream with the time ship and everything it's got enough power left but when you when you see it in like stuff like JSA man it's so fucking majestic and you know what i thought of even though it's not like a time travel ship was when i when i reread this i was like doesn't that remind you of the fucking gokaijers like the the mm. you know what I mean like that's what I thought of where I was like I never thought about that like now 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 I'm like I yeah. want I want Brian Hitch to draw me uh 
fucking, you know, <laughs> Our Man's fucking time ship and the Gokaiju's ship and it have like a little fucking uh, Captain Marvelous doing a thumbs up and a little like Our Man doing a thumbs up or some shit. But I, I, I just, I, I just was like, man, or, or, you know, if, if you want to tie into the whole, like, wouldn't it have been great if they could have done a fucking playset with the fucking you know time shift and all that kind of stuff i mean he, he he got a dc direct figure i have that dc direct figure so i mean i know it's not super articulated but like i said this this character in the story you know does mean a lot to me so i'm glad i i have that and everything that that should be it'll never happen but that should be mcfarland's next like build a thing build, build, a thing. Our, man's build, time build our man's time ship i mean i, I guess forget all that batmobile crap like, yeah i yeah I, I don't i don't think that's gonna happen I mean, the, the the only thing, like, you know, it's, it's like one of those things that's always tragic in comics. It's like, you know, they, they have the final issue where, you know, our man, you know, is is off to, like, fight slash save Amazo, you know? And it's like, it's like, that's his full arc, right? He goes from, again, kind of, kind of like what we were talking about, you, you have the redemptive arcs with all those mad scientists, and then it extends to Amazo... Which, you know, to me, it's like one of those tragic things, kind of like the the way they had, you know, Genesis and Songbird in a relationship in Avengers Forever, and then pretty much nobody did anything with it, you know? And, and it kind of makes you, like, sad. And it's like, no one ever, like, you know, kind of looked in and went, oh, gee, like, our man did finally redeem Amazo, and he's, like, a hero in his own right, or so, you know, something like that. It's like, the next time you see Amazo, he's probably, like, a fucking bad guy, or, you know, some diseased maniac. You know, it probably went back to status quo, and, you know, I guess, sadly, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if we want to talk about this or not, but we might as well, like, you know, the, the old, I don't know, it's weird, like, the, to me, the ultimate fate of of Android Hour Man is he ultimately takes Rex Tyler's place in Zero Hour, mm -hmm. and then Extant, uh, one would assume, you know, kills him, right? And you could still do tons of stuff with him because he's a time traveling character. But I mean, eventually he he makes that determination. It's a very you know, Jeff Johnsian. You know, I'm gonna you know take out the new version of the character to restore the old version of the character, right? Which, you know, sometimes that works out for you. <laughs> sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> if you're if you're a comic book fan, right? Man, I loved that. That was great. Yeah, it's so funny. Like I remember reading that that trade. I think I burn stole it, that first four issues of JSA, but I just thought that was fucking super, super awesome. I think I was in like this is weird. I uh, I'm having a Michael Bailey moment where I remember like exactly where I was and shit. Like I I think I was like in downtown L.A. and I was like hanging out in Chinatown because I was waiting like to because I, I think I had like more than one audition that day or something like that. And so I was like, oh, what am I going to do to kill time in between auditions? And and I went down to Chinatown and I was just, you know, I, I went into like, I, I think they might have had like a Mandarake or, you know, so, something like that, Japantown or whatever. You know, I, I went all over those places and was just killing time. And then I think in one of the stores, I don't know if it was like a Walden Books or something, you know, B. Dalton's, like something like that was in, in you know, one of those you know shops or whatever and i i remember i 
I picked up like some kind of trade, I think, that had like the first four issues. And then, you know, To Kill Time, I think I read that and I was like, this is fucking great. And then I think I went off and, you know, did my my other audition or whatever it was and and then kind of called it a day. But I don't know. I just I I guess that's that's kind of, you know, one of those reasons why I like this stuff. You know, it's just I had a lot of fond memories of it. You know, his, his stint in JSA, he's not a JSA member for very long. He's in it for about I want to say like 12 or 13 issues before he's like, yeah. I got to be poochy and go off to my home planet or whatever, you know, and kind of take a leave of absence and stuff like that. And then later, I think is, you know, like 65, 66, something like that. That's when he come, you know, they're dealing with the whole hour man thing. And it's like Rick is going to sacrifice himself in place of his father and then the android hour man's like no 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 and he takes both of them and it's like you guys live i'm gonna you know it's very uh almost in a weird way it's very data and nemesis you know if we're bringing the analogy full circle you know like he he basically sacrifices himself at that point you know and then i mean i guess if you want to be all technical about it i mean he he does you blink and you'll miss him, but I mean, he does show up in Snyder's Justice League for like, you know, blink and you'll miss him group shot of fucking the Justice peoples, you know, so, but I don't think anybody's ever done anything with him after that. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, that's, I I don't know, I, I feel pretty good about this, but that's, that's kind of what I, what I, I mean, I, you know, I wrote a bunch of detailed notes, but I don't, I don't feel like there's any need to go into any minutia or anything, but I just, I, I guess I just wanted to communicate. Revisiting this was good for my soul. It, it, you know, again, like I said, it brought me just a lot of joy and gratification and maybe a sense of, I don't know, uh, vindication, you know, <laughs> like, like, yeah, that was me, you know, or I, I did have to do some growing up or, or, or learning or what, what have you or whatever, you know, and who knows, I don't, I don't know that I'm good enough to, to take my, uh, super villain away and teach him how to be a good guy, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe I, I can do that. As far as, you know, a, a event series that, that launched an ongoing series, I mean, I think I will always, you know, treasure this as a series. I, I, you know, I met Tom Pear and had him sign the the poster for Our Man, the promo poster, and then I had him sign because he worked with Mark Wade on the 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 Justice League and the, the what was it like JLA Year One and the oh yeah the Flash and the 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 Green Lantern Brave and the Bold stuff. So I had him sign all that stuff, and I, I remember talking to him. Like I, I think I might have mentioned this on the show before, but I mean he was a nice guy. He kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, you know the the Matthew secret identity, but just much older. You know what I mean? Like like where you know he had glasses. He kind of had a frizzy head of hair. You know, and 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 I just told him I, I I can't remember exactly what I said, but I mean I did try to espouse how much the series meant to me, and that I really you know I thought it was very very well written, and I really enjoyed it. And he he seemed you know uh, you know responsive to that and appreciative of that and everything. So I mean that was you know again you know I don't know the whole you know I I, I could not I, I would have to be the age I am now doing a quote unquote narration on this podcast to explain all that to you. You know, but you could potentially see it in comic panel, you know, as I'm describing it, you know, in real time, you know, make make something with your imagination. But all, all that stuff kind of happened, you know, so and and again, like I said, this this means a lot to me. And I'm you know, that that's kind of why I jumped on it. I was like, look, I, you know, 
like you, I, I enjoyed the DC 1 million crossover. I read it when it came out. I reread it a little bit for this. Man, like, that was, you know, it's it's like one of those things where, like, you know, you you feel like you did have to have some kind of roadmap to read it. And then, and then there was that weird thing where I was trying to figure out, like, y- you know what tripped me up about that was the... You know, it has that great climax where Vandal Savage sticks oh, yeah. all the Teen Titans on the fucking rockets and stuff. And you're like, how the fuck are they going to get out of that? You know, because you know they don't all die, right? And and you're like, dude, man, that's that's intense. They're like in the missiles. And it's like Vandal Savage is like, I will make all the heroes cry when I take their teen heroes. And basically he's comparing it to like sticking family members on a catapult and like you know tossing it over the castle and shit like that is like an attack but in this case he he does it with like you know nuclear fucking missiles or whatever and and you're like man that's such a a money ass cliffhanger and then i was kind of like well what happens with that exactly and what's funny is i think like arsenal gets saved by superman one million in the superman books but then I'm like, well, what happens to everybody else? And it was like, I guess Peter David was a dipshit and was like, I'm not going to write that. So like you have, I think the original plan was like for for Supergirl to get saved by Wonder Woman 1 million. But like the Supergirl 1 million tie-in has nothing to do with that. And then I think there's like, it's like Supergirl has a line of dialogue, I think, in the third issue where she's like, yeah, okay, I'm fine. And, and then I think Aqualad's like, yeah, I... uh I, I, off camera, I um, tempested up the fucking missile into ice and crashed. And luckily, like, I wasn't hurt, but I accidentally blew up some people. Or I don't know. I forget what it, whatever it was. But I was just like, oh, man, they really didn't. You know, I, I was expecting it to be dealt with more. But it's like some of it kind of, you know, fell through the cracks or just wasn't, you know, addressed on camera, which I thought was a shame. Because I was like, man, that's such a... You know, it's one of those things where it had a, you know, like sometimes there are those comics, man, they have like really great cliffhangers, but then, you know, it's kind of like the best of both worlds, part one and part two, you know, it's like, man, what a cliffhanger. And then how they ultimately get out of it. You're like, yeah, this, you know, it's, it's all right. You know, it's not, it's not the best. You have any other final thoughts on, uh, on our man or fine as fuck Bethany? <laughs> uh, this was a series I came to in my final years of high school. And like I said, I was excited by just the nature of the character and all the DC history that was involved. But I found a lot of like moments that I identified with. And like you, I, I didn't identify with Snapper. I was totally identifying with Our Man because, like I said, I was, you know, weirdo in high school and, you know, everything that came along with that. And then. You know, a few years later, I ended up finishing my read of the series through back issues. And, you know, by that time I was, I don't know, probably 21 or 22. And, you know, thinking, oh, well, I'm in my 20s now. I know everything. And, you know, of course, you don't know hardly much at all at that point. But, you know, and then finishing the series, it kind of, I don't know. Like you, it's always been a, a series that I've been very very fond of and I, I do think it's special and man that fifth issue like I I think I would put that on like some kind of like top 15 mm. list of my favorite DC comics because I, I just love it's it. cool it's cool that you can isolate that because because I, I I think that was my problem with this like I I don't I mean you think it's one big narrative to you yeah it's so it's so it, hard it kind of is, it's yeah. so hard for me to like say this is you know 
point to one issue and say this is the money issue it's like i would do that with 16 but it's like you kind of have to read like 1 through 15 to really appreciate 16 you know what i mean so i feel like it's a lie you know like like the cake is a lie but it's cool <laughs> it's cool that you can say like dude check out that fifth issue because that's you know i'm glad you're here to say that because maybe people that want to check it out maybe they just check out the fifth issue and and they can appreciate it like you do you know what i mean like because that's you know and it's funny like 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 you i mean i again i i identified with our man i feel like you know I've I've had friends and continue to have friends who are like Snapper Car, but I I am not, you know, I don't I don't <laughs> think I am. And th- you know, and th- that's yeah. nothing. I mean, I, I I do appreciate Snapper in this. You know, I really really do, you know, like and and there are moments like I said like that, you know, the moment in 16 like I do I do identify with that, you know, like may- maybe maybe I've learned to be a little more Snapper. You know what I mean? Like, and so I do identify with, with having that, that regret or, or, you know, the, the kind of, uh, you know, the self-loathing or, or, you know, there, there are things that you're not always the most proud of, but you, you know, it's like, hopefully you find those people that, you know, love you for who you are, you know? And, and, And it's like, that's, that that's I guess you know is is all anybody can ask for you know, but um enough with this this sappiness you know. <laughs> so yeah, so this is part of a whole jail May crossover. So there's going to be a bunch of participating podcasts. We'll have a bunch of links in the show notes, and um, I'm sure somebody who's not me this time is going to come up with a a, a cool ass trailer for it. So I'll, I'll plop that in as long as I have it. Listeners, I just received new orders. Our superiors say jail may is cancelled. We can all go home. No one is show running this year, and our listeners will have no crossover. The fan halls will have recorded a show for nothing. But we can all go home. Meanwhile, ideals like peace, freedom, and justice, they get packed up, but we can all go home. Well, I'm not going home. I'm going to release my podcast, and I'm doing Jail May, and I'm going to kick the son of a bitch Jail May's ass so hard that the next Jail May wannabe is going to feel it. Now, who wants to go home? And who wants to listen to podcasts with me? This is going to wrap up the episode of comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? And if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, if you're like, oh, this this comic is very problematic because I can see uh, Bethany's uh, fucking ass cheeks popping out in the back there or whatever. If you got problems with that, um, you can send us emails at fanholes. But man, that, she's so fine. Um, 
you can send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. If you want to check out the backlog of our episodes, they're over on fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. And we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares that we receive. And we can be streamed on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify. We are on Apple Podcasts. We're on Amazon Music. So if you like any of those venues, check us out on there. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC, going through the time stream, signing off. This is Justin from the 24th and a half century, signing off. And if you don't like Bethany's portrayal, send us an email at fuck you, I don't care. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I, I saw her in issue one and I was like, I remember you. Yeah, I was like, God damn. Yeah, I felt like Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. I was like, oh, God damn. God damn.